Welcome to episode 213 of Live Happy Now. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us again today. What would you do if you had spent your entire life building the career of your dreams, but suddenly realized you'd forgotten to build the life of your dreams? That's exactly what happened to Sherry Salata, executive producer of The Oprah Winfrey Show and co-president of Harpo Studios and The Oprah Winfrey Network. In her new book, The Beautiful No and Other Tales of Trial, Transcendence, and Transformation, Sherry explains how she left that high-power career and used what she'd learned there as a springboard to personal reinvention. She sat down and talked with us about how she found the courage to make this incredible transformation and how every one of us has the power to reinvent ourselves. Well, Sherry, welcome to Live Happy Now. We're really excited to have you on the show. I'm thrilled to be here. This is my favorite thing to talk about happiness. Well, see, and that's great because that's pretty much all we talk about. So <laughs> it's a good fit. <laughs> so I was really, I loved when I, I first found out about your book in this fabulous Wall Street Journal article. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to read this book. And I was not wrong in my instincts <laughs> on that one. This book is so inspirational and it really combines humor and wisdom and it delivers it with such warmth. And I wanted to know, first of all, what made you decide to go ahead and write all this? Yeah. Is it ever really like a decision in a moment? You know, that is such an interesting thing. And it feels like forever long ago, I, I was having a conversation with a woman who ended up becoming my publisher, Karen Rinaldi at Harper Wave. And she was just like, she was just simpatico. Like we were talking about women in the middle of life and that concept of reinvention and reimagination and like kind of redefining the whole thing. And it was just, you know, I, it, it just felt like I'm in the middle of doing it. I'm off on a venture with my BFF of 30 years, Nancy Halla, who, and, and we're starting a new business and we're supporting each other and really kind of painting this whole portrait of what life can be in your fifties. And I don't know, it just felt like I had some stories to tell. And you do. <laughs> you have some stories. And what's so surprising, I think, is how personal and revealing you were mm. or are in this book. And, and it's very honest. And I was, as I was reading that, I just wondered if it was hard for you to be that that open, knowing that strangers are coming this intimately right. into your life. That's right. Yes. And the answer to that is yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, here's what's so interesting is I would say that other than my closest friends, I was a really private person, but you know, what changed that a little bit was doing a podcast. Oh. Interestingly enough, co-hosting a podcast, Nancy and I are, are the co-host of the Sherry and Nancy show. And we started out, we'd just sit in, in, in the garden room at my old house in LA and we would just go to town talking about, you know, everything we wanted to talk about, sex and love and food and weight and, you know, depression and, 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 and just kind of really unpacking it. And it would only be when listeners would write emails to us that said, oh God, Sherry, you were so brave. And I'd be like, oh God, how brave was I? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> but there was something so healing about realizing that everybody's got their stuff. Everybody's got their things that cause shame, times when they felt humiliated. And once you kind of bring that all out into the light, you just realize that those things have no power anymore. So writing all this, did it diffuse some of the feelings that had accompanied the experience in the beginning? 
Yeah, I would say it did diffuse that. I mean, you know, in, in many ways, as I was writing the book, it, it, you know, a lot of the processes had happened or were well on their way. There were a couple things that actually writing those chapters and writing those stories really helped me kind of heal, you know, for is, is probably the best word that when I had to sit down, since I am, I, I, I consider myself a writer and a producer second. And since I had to like really put pen to paper and, and thoughtfully excavate the gems, the sorrows, the, you know, I, I don't even like to use the word lessons because it sounds so strident. It's more like the knowing excavate the knowing, like, what have I seen along the way here? And what do I know to be true? And how am I going to continue to implement those things in my life? And you do a great job of laying that out for people. And, you know, your journey is remarkable. And the story that you tell, it's truly amazing from the way that you got the job with Oprah, to the day you left to follow a new dream. And for those who haven't read your book yet, and I do say yet because they do need to pick this up. Uh, but can, can you tell a little bit about what made you take that big leap? Um, because for most people, as you note in your book, you had the dream job. Yeah. And it was it was it was absolutely time to leave. It was time for everybody to, to move on. That's a really long time to be anywhere. But the interesting conversation that was happening at in my, my the table in my backyard as Nancy and I were glug, glug, glugging through bottles of Chardonnay um, <laughs> was what, you know, we're looking at our lives and saying, okay, what are all those other dreams we haven't made come true? And now we're in our 50s. Are we going to do it? Or are, are we just going to let all that go and just be satisfied with what we've manifested so far? Or... Are we going to be willing to say, wow, I've had some glorious days. And you know I have. I mean, I have had some glorious days uh, working at that Oprah show. But what if those are my foundational glory days and I have some even greater glory days to create? That's really the way you want to live. You you really want to live. You, you want to be saying what's next, what's next, what's next. And that's a great way. That's the question to ask of what's next instead of, is that all there is? Because it's the same situation and it's just how the question that we ask as we approach it. Well, yeah. And I, it's, and, and there's also, there's, there's lots of this generational overlay on this, which is, I find that younger women, when I'm talking to women in their twenties, they're not as plagued by some of this you know, women in their early 30s, you know, they have their different issues, but they're not as plagued by, you know, do I get more servings at life's buffet? The way <laughs> those of us in 40s and 50s and 60s feel because, you know, we were raised by people who didn't necessarily think we could have it all or should have it all or deserved it all or were worthy of it all or or it could be had it all. So, um, you know, you, you've got to kind of challenge those hidden beliefs it's taking the step to realize that I have hidden beliefs to begin with, that even though I'm a modern woman and I've been a career woman for years and years since the day I left Iowa City, Iowa, the University of Iowa, I have been working and supporting myself as best I can, but I still have some generational beliefs about what's possible. So if somebody, if I ever heard somebody say, well, you know, you can't have it all, you know, I internalized that. Uh -huh. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that's a piece of what's really held me back. And I really had to look at those things and say, okay, 
beliefs aside, I can't dig up every single hidden belief, but what do I believe now? What do I believe now? And the answer is, I believe that we're supposed to live the lives of our dreams. And the big question Nancy and I ask ourselves on a weekly basis, if not now, when? What are those new dreams? What are you doing to manifest them? How are you, how are you like preparing your own like emotional climate to bring the good in? Are, are you steeping yourself in abundance? Are you seeing magic around every corner? You know, are you really kind of coaching yourself up to magic? That's so well put. And I love the fact that you approach everything as a question, because I think when we ask a question, the universe answers it. And if we, if we do it as an absolute, like this is just the way it is, instead of opening ourselves up with a question, maybe that's why we're not getting the answers we want. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, honestly, it's kind of like this, there's things that we say we believe, like, you know, what, if I get a group of women in a room and I say, how many of you believe that this is a benevolent universe and that there are forces, the force, however you define it, that really has your back and is, you know, helping you in, in, in all kinds of ways. And lots of people will say yes. And how many people think that life can be magical and that, you know, it's great to be super hopeful about, you know, making your dreams come true. Lots of people will say yes. But at a certain point, the rubber has to meet the road. And that's what I said to myself. You say you believe these things. You say you have faith. You say that there's a quantum reality that's going on that we can't necessarily see, feel, or touch, but it's there and it's within our grasp. But the time, now's the moment where you have to walk that talk, where you have to do the practices, where you have to meditate regularly, where you have to you know, practice some sense of mindfulness, where you have to worry more about what you're being than what you're doing. It's so important because we get pressed for time. We think, well, this isn't working and we give up on something or we say, yes, I do believe in that. And I'm going to get to that later. Um, so being able to take all those things and, and discipline yourself to do them, how were you able to do that? Well, yes, isn't that true? How, how, how indeed, because you know, how, why hadn't I done it all those years before? Nobody has information on how to live an elevated life more than I do. I mean, I had, you know, it was my job to um, meet and listen to and, and take in information from every, every expert that's ever walked the planet practically. For me, I had to start small and I had to start tenderly, not judgmentally about everything I hadn't done, but tenderly about what might be possible for me. And then Nancy and I began to create a, a guidance system we call the Pillar Life Guidance System. And we created our eight pillars, eight areas of our lives where if we could like realize what it is we wanted in those areas and begin to put little practices in place every day that moved us a little bit further down the road, that we would effectively put ourselves on the joyride. And, you know, my best advice on, on how to begin, it's number one, begin. <laughs> Begin, begin, begin. And number two, you know, little steps go a long way. Little steps go a long way. I, I was talking to someone once who was like, didn't know where to begin. And, you know, and, and listen, I have felt that kind of despair where I just feel like I've just screwed this all up so badly. And I feel such misery 
and 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 burnout and what whatever or disappointment or depression or whatever I was feeling at the time, and I didn't have the strength for one more activity. So I have been there and I understand. And I said to this person, drink a glass of water, drink a nice glass of filtered water, because that is a practice that can be truly transformative in your own health and well-being. But don't start worrying about having like a hundred ounces every single day and this and that. Just drink a glass. Just have a glass. And then maybe you'll take a walk after dinner. Not hike and strap up with equipment and scale a mountain. Like maybe just put on your tennies and take a walk around the block. And those little things, interestingly enough, those very little things that you, you we think they're nothing, those are the things that start changing how we feel about ourselves and our lives. And when we start feeling more optimistic, when we start start feeling more like revved up, more excited, more with greater expectations, all of a sudden, all the other practices and the ways of thinking about our lives get so much easier. And sometimes those little steps, we fail to take them because we're kind of overlooking them. It's like, no, I need to do the big scale thing. I need to make the big change. And we kind of discount the value of the little steps. Well, you are singing my song because (laughs) that is, that was always, but see that, that is almost like a subconscious way to fail. It's kind of like when you're just subconsciously really tripping yourself up, that all or nothing attitude, which I lived by that boy, my my fitness pillar, holy moly. It was, (laughs) you know, I'm running half marathons and then I'm doing nothing for two years, you know, and then I'm hiking and scaling all these mountains and then I'm doing nothing. And that all or nothing thing is, is very much a a, a strategy of self-sabotage. And so when I finally said, boy, you're such an all or nothing person in so many ways, you're either, you know, partying like a rock star or you're on a complete and total fast. (laughs) And, And what I realized is that kind of thinking, the all or nothing, I usually ended up with nothing, you know, no real progress, no real improvement, not feeling really great. And also with that sneaky suspicion that I couldn't trust myself. I'm like, you cannot trust yourself. You, you, you don't keep your promises to yourself. You, you would never break a promise to anybody else. But you don't have your own back. You would always have everybody else's back. And you start to feel like that creates a real sense of, of true unworthiness because you know you can't count on yourself. And that's the thing you have to turn around with little acts. If women are looking to make a change, you know, it took a great deal of courage for you to do this. And where do women find that courage? Because, you know, we've got all these inner critics that are saying you're going to fail. This might be the worst idea you've ever had. And you've had some bad ones. You know, we've got this whole staff of inner critics that are are waiting to keep us from doing that. So when we're ready to make a change, how do we tap in to find that courage? Well, here's one thing I would say. We all need to fire those voices, those inner critics. You know, we're the ones that give them a desk and a setup and a laptop, (laughs) you know, and a chair and a standing megaphone (laughs) and company benefits. We're the ones who hire them and put them to work. So it begins by focusing on really what you are saying to yourself, because, you know, loving yourself and moving in the direction of happiness doesn't need to take a lot of courage. What it needs to take is some focus 
changing your languaging a little bit, listening to that voice in your head, making sure that voice is tender and supportive. I mean, I finally realized one day I would listen to myself talk to my English bulldogs, Bella and Kissy. And it's like, hello, my beautiful darling. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if only someone would speak to me like that. I had that longing, like only if only somebody would speak to me like I speak to them. And then I thought, oh, my God, that someone should be me. I should be my own dearest darling. And once you start really practicing and everything is practice. My neuropathways are deep to self-destructiveness. So once, once you start that practice, all of a sudden when that voice changes and it's more loving and it's, and it's more cherishing and you feel a little bit more treasured by yourself, all of a sudden leaning in the direction of happiness, the words making a change are fright inducing, but leaning in the direction of happiness is very much something that can kind of give you, give you wind beneath your wings. I'm going to lean in the direction of happiness. I'm going to choose happiness here. I'm going to lean in the direction of what feels good here. Those are like leaning, starting to lean in to that life you say you want to live. And if big changes need to be made, you know, if you're willing to have your own back, if dreams matter to you, if living the life of your dreams is something you really, really want, then you, you are going to be signing up to make some changes. And understanding that it might feel a little rocky at first when you have to change relationships or change jobs or whatever changes you have to make. But again, now's the moment to practice that faith we say we have. Well, the pillar life, I love this because how did you and Nancy come up with the eight different pillars? Well, we kind of went through our lives. So so let's see if I can list them. So health and wellness is foundational. If you do not feel good in your body, if you do not feel healthy in your body, everything else is just, you know, it's just razzle dazzle. You know, that is a foundational pillar. That was something that was way out of whack for me. And I continue to work on that. The second pillar is spirituality and happiness, because that also super foundational to understand that you are, you are making happiness your compass, you are leaning in the direction of happiness, and that you have a spiritual life, however you define it and however that plays out in your life. Uh, romance and sex, friends and family, creativity and innovation, formerly known as work. We don't use the work <laughs> word. I love, I love the fact that you ditched the W word. Yeah. That was amazing. That's a good word. It's, tar- it, it, you know, it's just tainted. You know, it, it's just tarnished. So creativity and innovation, adventure and discovery, sanctuary and beauty, and money and abundance was the last pillar we added. And we, we felt like it kind of gave us a, a nice wide look at our lives where what we were doing to beautify, you know, also was important. Like it wasn't just all like kumbaya and TM meditating that we were also going to be really talking about like caring for ourselves and adorning ourselves and creating a sanctuary for ourselves and really tapping into that, that idea that we are all just steeped in such abundance. And if we can only continue to notice that abundance on a moment by moment basis, our lives become more abundant and, and, and really making that a practice. And one thing that strikes me, like, obviously you and Nancy are having a blast doing this. That comes through and the, we can tell the way that you interact that there's such a history between you two. 
Um, and you, it's like you have your own language going on. And as you share this transformation that you've gone through with others, what is it that you most want other people to get from the work you're doing now? Yeah. You know, the truth is I'm talking to myself. This is the only conversation I want to have. Um, I want I want to be excited and energized about really living those unlived pockets in our lives, in my life. And the fact that that conversation is uplifting to others is is a great joy for Nancy and I. I mean, we're like, oh, my God, this is so great because <laughs> we just feel like there's this invisible web of all of us dream tribers who are really like willing to kind of connect and reimagine what's possible for ourselves. And then it just feels like there's this unified field where we can actually reclaim our lives, rediscover, um, you know, what matters to us and kind of dream this new big dream. And a lot of people are dreaming it now with you. And I think that's what's so wonderful. That's what's so great about podcasting and, and the world that we live in now, that we can connect online in a way that just wasn't possible before. It's and the you're giving the world this podcasting. It's oh my gosh, yeah, and, and it's like you're giving uh, hope and and some inspiration to women who we haven't, as you have noted, we haven't really heard this message enough. Yeah, we haven't heard this message enough because we're the ones who must be the messengers. You know, no, no, no outside, no brand, no outside um, external force is going to tell us that, yes, now it's okay to be a woman in the middle of, of life. We're going to have to, we are the messengers. We are the ones who need to have that conversation. We are the ones that need to demonstrate it to ourselves and everyone else that it's possible. Yeah, what do you say to women who are you know, 45, 55 and say, well, it's too late to create my dream life? Because I hear this. I hear this with my friends where they're like, oh, I wanted to do this, but it's, you know, it's just I'm this old and I can't. And it's like, yes, you can. So what is your message to those women about not being too late? Well, all I can tell you is it all begins with the belief that it's possible. And if you can, as as a mantra on a daily basis, tell yourself over and over again what we tell ourselves, that it's never too late to live the life of my dreams. And if not now, when? And again, begin to just start with little things and just stir up those hope fires. You stir up the pot, you get a little spark going, a little hope about something. Well, maybe it's not too late. Well, maybe I could try this. It's, it's the littlest things. It's going to be the little in my life. I signed up for a knife skills class at Sur La Table. And instead of canceling, I showed up and I went. I was the worst one. <laughs> I was terrible. I was so bad at it. But I walked out of there and went, oh, this is what is called known as the life force. It's exposing yourself to to new ideas and new skills and new dreams and new possibilities. And maybe it's geographical changes and maybe it's a trip or maybe it's just deciding that you're going to see the world through a different lens, the lens of optimism and hope and choosing happiness every day and, and just test it out. See for yourself what happens. 
I think what happens is you literally create a new outcome for yourself. The experience of living your particular life changes dramatically. That's what I have found. That was Sherry Salata, author of The Beautiful No and Other Tales of Trial, Transcendence, and Transformation. To learn more about Sherry's book or her podcast, The Sherry and Nancy Show, or her Pillar Life Principles, visit us at livehappynow.com. We hope you're already a subscriber to Live Happy Now, but if you're not, you can find us on the Pandora Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Just find us on your favorite platform and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. That is all we have time for this week. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.